you know that I got to remind myself of something. I was watching this thing about uh, pilots, and um, and obviously, once you see it, it's obvious, but you don't think about it. But for a pilot, the flight does not start when the plane takes off. Okay, I watched this program that the pilot comes in and uh, he has to do a, you know a lot of this is a lot of checklists. In the procedures, even before he goes into the plane, have to check the wheels and all sorts of things, and it's not like someone else is doing it for him. And uh, it got me to remind myself of something that uh, many, many years ago, that uh, someone said to me that uh, always be prepared when you hear the word of God. And uh, I remember because I I grew up in Denmark. First time I came to a Kenneth Copeland conference, I was not used to a preacher speaking three hours. You know, I, and, uh, but I remember this guy, he said to me, always come prepared to a meeting to hear the word. Okay, And what he meant by that, he said, don't eat before you go to the meeting. Don't drink before you go to the meeting. Because if you have to go to the toilet and he speaks the word of God, and that's the word you should have heard, you, you are unprepared. And I can tell you, you know, some, you have to understand, God speaks, and it's up to us to receive. Okay, you know, I have, there have been times in my life over the years where God had given me a word. I remember I was in the church, and I knew the church very well, and I knew that when I came to that church, I had a word for that specific person. But the person didn't show up when I couldn't give the word. Okay, and there's no point calling two days later because of, you have to understand the power lies in the timing. Okay, and 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 it's something that uh, just reminded me of that you know that when you come, have a heart that is prepared to receive. Okay, uh, I have been in meetings. I remember I went with with a, with a guy, and for me, I thought it was the most horrible meeting, boring meeting I ever been to. And when the guy next to me, he said, "Oh, don't you think it was amazing?" And you know what the difference was? It was my heart and his heart was different. Okay? And that's where it real, I realized that it's so important that you come with a prepared heart. Okay? That uh, uh, when I started in the ministry, someone said to me that never get too hungry, never get too tired, and so on, because of when you are open for temptations. Okay? Anyway, um, Something that, before I'm going to share what I'm going to say, is that um, when God speaks to you, it's very important to understand that, that you keep doing it until he says something else. Okay? Uh, remember when uh, Elijah, he, he meets with the king, and he, the king, he says to the king, take the arrows and knock them to the ground. He didn't say how many times. He did, but the king... Three times, so oh, that must be sufficient. Uh, and then Elisha rebukes him and said, "If you'd done it seven times, you would have destroyed Israel's armies, uh, enemies forever." And I think it's something in our culture that we find it very difficult to be consistent. We think one day is an eternity. Uh, most people that I know, they, they they cannot watch a movie without having to check their phone or whatever. They they lose focus, and this is a, this is not a good thing. Okay, because of, you have to learn to stay focused. And, um, and when I was looking at my own life, that I remember in 
1999 or 1990 or something, I remember the Lord said to me, read one chapter in the book of Proverbs every single day. Okay? And he didn't just say it to me, it was other people, but, but when I, and he never said stop. And I've done that ever since then. And when I got around a guy who, who knew some Hebrew words, and he said, and he actually said, the Hebrew word for Proverbs actually uh, has a root in that it is how to learn to reign in life. Okay? And, uh, and, and I can say that it, when, when you read the book of Proverbs, that is protecting you if you are applying what the book of Proverbs do, say to you, and read it over and over and over again, you have to say, the word of God is not like, I read the Bible once, that's it. No, it is just like with food. Just because you eat once, you don't need to eat, eat the rest of, of your life. No, you have to consistently eat it. And, and I can see now the blessing of God is really upon that when I follow that word, I mean, he, he never said stop. So if he never said stop, you just carry on reading and reading and reading. The next thing I remember in 2010, he said to me, walk and don't stop. So ever since 2010, I've been walking seven, eight miles every single day. Uh, come rain or shine or snow or whatever it is, because God said it, walk, don't stop. And uh, I heard a testimony about Kenneth Copeland. God said something similar to him for many years ago, and, but he didn't obey. And uh, so now he's, I think he's 86 or something like that. This is his own testimony he shares. But so some years ago, uh, he had to get a pacemaker into his heart. I mean, Kenneth Copeland said, no, 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 but I'll just trust God for that. And God said to him, no, you're far beyond because you did not follow what I said. Because Kenneth Copeland said, he started walking when he stopped. Uh, when he started again, when he stopped. You know. But the thing is, the key is, when God speaks to you, keep doing it until he says something else. Okay. And most of the time, once he said to you certain things, he won't tell you to stop because there is life wisdom in you consistently do what God, uh, what God have asked you to do. He doesn't say it to you just to say, oh, I'm the boss and you're the subject. No, he says things to you so that it can benefit you. Now, when I read the book of Proverbs now so many years, so you can calculate how many times I've read each chapter. And you know, we all know the verse, train up a child when he's young and he will not depart from it when he gets old. And I have always thought this is only about the child upbringing. But if you read the next verse, this is really not about child upbringing. No, the context is always stronger than the verse. It's about debt. To say, train up a child in a way he should go. When he goes old, he don't depart from it. And when he says, the lender, no, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now I'm paraphrasing the word. And, 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 and I believe that when I... When I get prayer requests in, apart from, no, 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 no. The main prayer subject request I get in is money. Okay? It's actually, no, it's not healing. There's a lot of about healing too. But the main thing is prosperity or provision. And um, in Nehemiah chapter 5, it's interesting that you know, there is Sanballat and Abila, all these people who try to stop the wall, uh, work on the wall and tempting Nehemiah, and none of it succeeds. The, wall, the, the work upon the wall still carries on. Now, you have to understand, this is the wall around Jerusalem. 
And what is a wall? It's protection. So we keep building upon the protection. But in Nehemiah 5, suddenly the work stops. Okay? The work stops. And, uh, and trying to go to Nehemiah 5. Where is it? And, and now, you, when, when I share this with you, you see, this is why there's so much con, uh, uh, issues from the devil regarding uh, prosperity and provision. Okay, uh, Nehemiah, yeah, Nehemiah 5, and it says, so, from verse 1, And there was a great cry of the people, and of their wives against their brethren the Jews, for there were what said, We, our sons, and our daughters are many, therefore we take up corn for them, that we may eat and live. Some also there, there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses, that we might buy corn because of the death. There was also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children, and their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons, our daughters, to be servants, and so on and so on. But then, verse 6, and I was, this is, no, this is interesting. Nehemiah says, when he hear that, and I was very angry. No, but I think that, I heard a priest many years ago, he said, it's time that the body of Christ gets angry about death. Because this, you know, we only change what, what causes us to be angry. If we learn to live with it, we will not change it. When William Wilberforce he got up angry regarding human trafficking or slavery, he started to become the answer. And I believe that this is one of the things that we as a body of Christ, that we need to be in abundance of provision. Okay? But for, for that to happen, it starts with the body. You know, that uh, the body of Christ is supposed to be prosperous in all circumstances. I don't care if it's crisis of living or petrol goes up to whatever prices. You know, I remember when it cost 30p at the meter. Okay. Pastor David, he remembers when it cost, it cost an apple. He just had to feed the horse. <laughs> no, but it doesn't really matter what these things are because if you know your God, if a petrol costs 150 a liter, so what God can give you 160? It's just a number. My friend Klaus, he said this thing that he had to he had to renew his mind, so he had to believe God for uh, trust God for ten thousand Danish kroners, but he had to think, learn to think bigger. So he learned to say instead of believing for ten thousand, he believed for ten thousand euros. You know, it's just a number. You might as well say thank God for ten thousand euros instead of say ten thousand kroners. You have to say the same anyway, okay? But it, what it did, it renewed his mind, okay? So that he learned to trust that God will provide for all his need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But the thing is that the body of Christ worldwide, or I don't know worldwide, but definitely in the Western Hemisphere, we need to be set free. We need to be prosperous. We need to be set free of this kind of mentality that there is not enough. There is more than enough in the kingdom of God and it is available to you and me. But, where, before, but before we can enter into it, our mind has to be renewed 
in a way so we don't take the poverty or limitation mentality from the world with us into the kingdom. Now we come from, in the world, we come from a place where everything is valued according to lack. Yeah. If there's a short supply, the value goes up. And sometimes these values, they are artificial. I was told that uh, there are diamond mines in South Africa that at some purpose are closed. Because if they open them, the value of diamond will just tumble down. Yeah. Okay? And it's important we don't take that mentality with us into the body of Christ. So when you are in the kingdom of God and you ask God, please help me, and you have that limitation of there is never enough, it's the devil will come and say to you, ah, oh, it's not for you, it's for someone else, whatever. No, you need to understand that when you ask your God in heaven, there is more than enough for all your needs. Okay, it is so important because uh, I, I spoke to a solicitor. He said that the main reason for why people get divorced is not adultery, is money. Is it's crazy? You thinking about? You know, he said the main thing that keep people awake at night is money. And I was just thinking about that. Uh, God didn't say the love of shoes is the root of all evil. Okay. It didn't say that. It said the, root, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the love of this, but the other, but the love of And I'm telling you, we are supposed to be have all the money in the world, so to speak. And we see, and some people say, ah, oh, but no, no, this is this, this, this uh, American books. No, you can. When the Israelites, they left Egypt. They basically left with 400 years of salary. Because what were they doing the night before? They went to the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And they took basically all the wealth out of the land, the wealthiest land in the world. Okay? And now you need to take that as an indicator of that God wants you to be well. And it's so important, be it not just well in terms of that, oh, I'm just happy, I'm content. No, He wants you to be in an abundance of wealth. Why? Not so that you can flashing around or whatever, that's not, but that's not what, I, what it's about, but so that you can be a supply for those around you. Amen. So that you can be a supply. We, we, we know, this has always been the purpose of the church, you know, that most mission work, the limitation is not anointing. It's not the anointing, it's not a lack of a vision, it's not a lack of a willingness. It's the limitation of funds. Do you understand? And that's where we have to be open, have a, have a new mind. And God spoke to me that I need to focus upon three things, basically. Faith, prosperity, and healing. If you want to have a good marriage, speak to Pastor David. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know how to do all the other things, speak to someone else. But I know that I have to focus on faith, prosperity, and healing. Because I think this is where uh, I see a tremendous need is, is, going, is happening. And I was reading about Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. That, uh, you know, that if you are in famine now, rejoice. Yes. Amen? Rejoice. Why? Because famine is the launching pad for your breakthrough. Amen. You know that if you cannot handle discouragement, if you cannot handle the famine, you will never be able to handle the breakthrough. 
But, and you will find that, you know what, really, if you are in a famine, you are the right place for God to find you. Amen. Where did God find Moses? In the desert. You know, where does all the miracle happens? In the desert. Where does all the amazing thing happens? In the valley. Where, you know, David didn't kill Goliath on the mountaintop. He had to go down into the valley. Okay? And if you find yourself in the valley, don't worry. God can find you. If you look for him, he will find you. And it is interesting, I started out, I put it last week, with, with Isaac, that uh, he had, uh, that uh, other tribes became, uh, you know, his father's uh, uh, wells, they came and put sand into the wells, basically clocked the wells up. But, and Isaac, he, he just kept digging. You know, when you are in the desert, just keep digging. Keep reading the word of God, keep praying, keep following Jesus, just keep going. We are not moved by our circumstances, we are not moved by what we see, we are moved by what we believe in our heart, that we keep digging. And Isaac, he kept digging, he kept digging, he kept digging, and you know, one subtly, you know, one thing you can always do, you can always outlast the enemy. You have to understand, the devil, it talks about in Corinthians, he is the God of this world. Now, what is the limitation in this world? What is the greatest current in this world? Time. That's the greatest currency in this world. Have you noticed? Time flies. Okay? <laughs> you know, like, anyway, but, so, I, and this is something that just comes to me now. This is, you know, that's the greatest limitation of the devil. That is why the devil only had three temptations to Jesus. He came to the end. Why? Because he's the God of this world. And this world is subjected to time. Why? So how, how, do you, how do you defeat the devil? Outlast him because you are not of this world. You have all the time in the world. If you had to resist him five times, resist him five times. If you had to do it a hundred times, resist him a hundred times. It's only a matter before he is finished. Why? Because he's subjected to the laws of this world. And you are not. Okay? This is why in Galatians 6, 9, they say, Do not be dismayed. Do not be dismayed. Actually, I'm now I'm starting with the end of the sermon. Okay? Galatians 6 and, uh, and uh, verse 7. This is something that is interesting. It says here, Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Now, you have to see what is it, the context of that... You know, deception is, I, I used to think deception is something like wrong doctrine or the devil tells you a lie or a white lie or whatever it is. Like, you know, I thought this was what it talks about. This is deception. But here, the context of Galatians says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, what shall he also weep? Now, I, I mean, you know, but I... I have met plenty of Christians who come to me over the years and say, oh, this thing about sowing and weeping does not work. Okay? When I say to them, you get what you say. No, I don't believe that. I said, you just got it. Okay? It is interesting that he says here, do be not deceived. The context of this is in the sowing and weeping. But people say it doesn't work. Yes, it does. You know, but I was just thinking, when I left uh, Denmark, uh, I just walked basically out of my flat and everything that was in it, 
I said to the people, just if there's anything you can use, you can just go and help yourself. I sew it all into your lives. You know, after afternoon, everything was gone. <laughs> okay, I've never been so popular in church. Okay, it was amazing. But you know what? I can see how the God have given me a harvest later in life. Okay, but. Uh, I'm telling you, if people say to you that, this, that if you sow and you don't uh, and you and, and you should reap, it doesn't work. I'm telling you, we're too late. The Bible warns us here: be not deceived. For whatsoever man soweth, what is a very forceful word, he shall reap. The issue is, but very often is that when when people have sown, they forget what they have sown. I'm telling you, if you go and visit a farmer at a uh, at sowing time, and then after he's done all the sowing, and you ask him, where are the potatoes? He'll say, over there, where's the carrots? Over there, where's this? He knows exactly where all the things are. If you ask a Christian, what did you sow? Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but I thought, I, yeah, 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 I gave something here, you know, uh, you know, but, and the devil, he loves it, because of your harvest grows up without you even realizing it to be able to harvest it, because you don't know where it is. I have a book. Every time I sow, I write it down in a book. I so I sowed that seed for this thing. Oh, that is too meticulous. That is too this, that or the other. Yeah, but it's better than forgetting it. Amen. You know, we, we have to understand that when sowing and weaving is not a lottery. It's not like I buy five lottery tickets. The likelihood is higher than if I had four. Okay, I give five times now. Let's see if just one of them. No, no farmer say, oh, just uh, if just one of the fields gives a harvest. No, every single field should give a harvest. Amen. It, it's so vital we understand these things because the Bible says, "Be not deceived." And I believe this is where the devil have deceived us. He deceived us with that it's pious to be in mediocrity, and when you say you're blessed, have you ever heard you know, one of the most Wrongly quoted verses is money is the root of all evil. Yeah. <laughs> it's the love of money. Money is money is neutral. Yeah. Amen. If army have a, if I if I took a army's a pillow, see army don't have stuffing in her pillow. It's all noisy. It's all these notes. As long as this money is in army's possession. That money will do what army does. But the moment I grab the pillow, now that money will do what I want. Money is neutral. And the thing is, God wants you to have money. He don't want money to have you. Amen? It's so important that you have to now. Money is not a sign of that you are blessed. Do you understand? But when you are blessed money will be a result. It, we have to go the right way around it. We, we, and, but here he says, be, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, that shall he also reap. Now the good news is about that. You know, a seed can never get too old. You know, when they opened the pyramids, they found, you know, like when the pharaohs died, they thought they had to bring everything to the afterlife. So they, they got 
everything, seed, camels, or whatever, transportation, slaves, whatever, everything was buried with them. And when they opened the, the pyramid, they found seed that was thousands of years old. The moment they put it into the ground, it starts growing. Amen. Amen. A seed can never get too old. I'm telling you, there some of you, you have seeds that have grown, but you've forgotten about it. I saw this, but I forgot about it. No, you need, I believe this is the Holy Spirit, but you, he wants you to claim your harvest. It's just the devil have deceived you to believe. No, no, it doesn't work. No, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, he shall weep. He shall weep. He shall weep. But because of we living, we, we still very often are, are moved by our natural senses, and we, we look around, and because many people don't, many people, most of the body of Christ never heard about sowing and weeping. Uh, so we don't even so where you can't really get any kind of uh, insight, but so we just learn to live like. But God does not want you to live like that. He wants you to reap a harvest of every seed that you have sown. Okay, so be not deceived. No, who is no? I, we, we, one of the words uh, we call the devil. He is the deceiver. And how does the devil deceive you by religion? No, but mo major, when I preach this message about money and finger, so many Christians, uh, the devil, are used to come and make me to sound, uh, to make me feel I'm greedy, I'm this and that and you're, and it's demonic. Okay, you know, I, I find some. I said to once the person that said, I find I find it a bit rich that you call me greedy. You gave nothing, and you don't, you know, and you make an opinion about me of what I give. You don't know anything. Okay, and uh, but be not deceived. One of the reasons for why America is so influential in the world today is because they have it. They have as a nation, you know, they're not the brightest people in the world. They're not the best. Uh, no, we can say that about any country. But the reason for why United States is the, the nation everyone wants to go to. Or, and uh, it's because there's an abundance of supply. Okay? You know, but without America, uh, Ukraine, they would, have, they would have been speaking Russian now. Okay? It's America, you know, in the Western world here in Europe and UK, we, we, can, we can clap ourselves on the shoulder. Ah, we do a little bit, but it's nothing compared to what America has to do. You know, but when American, Americans do something, they do it big. Why? Because there is an abundance of supply. And that's the same thing God wants to be in your life and in my life, and an abundance of supply. Imagine, which you, you know, just, you know, one of the things you start in meditation, imagine you have a life where you don't need to think about money ever again. I'm telling you, all your white hairs turn black again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Imagine, can you imagine that? Imagine a, a life where you never have to think about money again. So what am I supposed to do then? <laughs> you know, this is what occupy, and you know what? This is what God wants for you and me. 
for each one of us, this is what God wants for you and me. And, and the way we get into it, you know, you know in Mark, uh, we'll, we'll come back to Galatians, but go to Mark chapter 4. Uh, this is the way we get into it. Uh, and some of you, uh, you just need to claim your harvest. It's already there. But in Mark chapter 2, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, This is Jesus, and he taught them many things by parallels, and said, um, now in the King James, he says, and said unto them in his doctrine. In his doctrine. This is the doctrine of Jesus. And we know the parallel that he's sharing, this is about the seeds, where a man goes out of the seed in different fields. And, you know, so he's talking about sowing and weeping. He talks also about the kingdom of God is like a seed. Jesus, he said, unless a seed falls into the ground and die, there was an answer to that he may want to see Jesus. The kingdom of God is like a seed. Okay, In Genesis chapter 1, you will see that God gives man seed so that he can bring provision. Amen. And I'm telling you, this, and we, and you know, when, when we talk about spiritual laws, that means it will work for whosoever, wheresoever. Okay? It, it, you know, I, I, you know, one of the fascinating stories and the company stories is uh, this guy, Fred Kroc, the guy who made McDonald's what it is today. But if you go back to the McDonald's brothers, that the first ever meal that McDonald's made from this concept that we know it as now, they gave it for free. There came a little boy up to, because no one, because first, there's a whole sermon in, in itself, because they came up with the concept of this thing, and we thought, oh, we've got a brilliant idea, you know, where people can just walk up to the counter and so on, but they forgot it was in America. What do we do in America? Everyone drives. So we, we had a good concept. The only problem, people were not educated. They didn't know how to use their legs. Okay? But so they thought it was a complete failure. So they didn't even open. And then a little boy knocks on the door, uh, on the window and, and asks for some burgers. And when he wants to pay for it, and then McDonald, uh, this guy, McDonald, he said, no, no, you can keep it. We give it for free. The moment he say you can keep it, Suddenly, people start coming from all over the place, and the West starts become history. But what is the principle in it? He started with a seed. He sold the first meal. Amen. You know, in the Bible, we can use it like when you get a salary and and uh, so on. You know, the first salary, give it as a thanksgiving offering to Jesus, and you will never be in lack again. And you know, it's not only Christians. Uh, we have some Indian friends. Uh, I think they just. Uh, I think he became a consultant, and uh, and in, according to, I don't know so much about the Hindu religion or whatever. But they went back to India on holiday, went out into the remote area of the middle of nowhere. You can't even walk there. I don't know how they built that temple out there in the middle of nowhere because they had to take a helicopter there and so on for them to give what you will call a praise offering. Okay, and uh, and I remember Yen did that in, or was that back in 80s or something like that, that she gave a thanksgiving offering to God. And you know what, it's because in the kingdom of God, it works like everything I give, I receive. 
Someone said to me, it can leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. Okay? So, but anyway, so it's Jesus' doctrine is, sow and you shall weep. I, I, when, when I came into the message of prosperity teaching, I came in with the mind of the world where I've said, you know, I, I read prosperity teaching because I need to find out how I receive. But I, when I look back at it, I went on it in the wrong way. Yes, I should have read it like, I need to find out how can I be a blessing. I read it being, how can I be blessed? But we all know, if we focus upon being a blessing, the blessing comes by itself. Do you understand? Matthew 6, 33, 34, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's basically being a blessing. Okay? And then all these things shall be added unto you. Just for 1, 8, and 9, that keep your, my word in your heart and in your mouth. That is basically also when you do that, you are a blessing. Then success will overtake you. Or you can say, success will find you. Amen. Amen. You know, so we, we very often we try to find success. Is this the right job? Is this the will of God for me? Or is this what I'm supposed to do? Or is you know, we trying to find a will? No, just find Jesus. And then all the other things... He will add it unto you. This is what, what you know, being blessed should be effortless. Amen. Because you're just following Jesus and then things are just coming your way. Favor will come your way. Abundance will come your way. When people look at you, how did that happen? I don't know, but I, I know a God. And he said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. And therefore, you know, but one of one of the major things the Bible talks about when it comes to faith, don't worry. Amen. Why? Because worry makes you be in control. And, you know, in our vocabulary, when we say, Oh, I'm concerned for you, we think we are caring. Isn't it? Oh, I'm so worried for you. No, you should be saying, I prayed for you, and you will be fine. Because my God in heaven who hears prayer. He, and he will answer. So don't worry. No, it's a command that says, cast your concerns upon Jesus. Can I throw anything at Jesus? Yes, you can cast your concerns at him. Not your mother-in-law, your concerns. <laughs> oh, amen. You because, no, why? Because he cares. He cares. Amen. He cares. You know, but when first time I ever gave in an offering, I was like, oh, how am I supposed to go to eat? How am I supposed to go to eat? How, you know, because I was focused on what I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't learn at the time that my supply is in my giving. This, you know, this, my, my harvest is in the seed. But, you know, I'm blessed the moment I've sown. Okay? And after I've sown, you might say, so how do I get it? After I sown, you confess it with your Mouth. This is how you got saved. You believed in your heart. You laid your life as a seed. Amen. And what? And when you, when your heart believed, you laid your life down. And you said, Jesus, I need to be saved your way, not my way. And when now I start confessing Him as my Lord and Savior, and the Bible say, you shall be saved. And you know what this is? The same way you receive your healing, 
Don't say, oh, I hope I get healed one day. I hope I get healed one day. Oh, oh pray for me. <laughs> but did we pray for you yesterday? Yeah, yeah, but pray for me again. No, if you are prayed for, and this is where it's good to write down things to remind yourself of it. You know, that, 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 that God says to the prophet, write it down. When he speaks to you, write it down. Make it plain so you don't forget. Okay, so, so when God says, so let's say someone prayed for you regarding healing. Now, from now on, you just look and take that note up in front of your eyes and say, Thank Jesus, I have been healed. I received it on that day. And whatever your body tells you, whatever your emotions tells you, whatever other people will tell you, you just hold this word in front of your eyes and say, Thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. By your stripes, I have been healed and I received it at that day. And you know what? You can do that with your finances. You can do that with anything in, that is in your life because it's the same principle. But because money is such a hard thing because we spend so much time thinking about it in a wrong way. So we think it's, you know, like, I'm telling you, it's just as hard believing God to give you 20p as it is for God, to believe God to give you 200 pounds. When I got saved, I remember I, could, I couldn't preach. I didn't know. I just knew I had to share the gospel. I didn't know anything. So I used to write letters. You know, that was before email. It was, you know, at least it was after stone tables. But I, I wrote letters to people. And, you know, when I wrote these letters, I had to lay hands on them. And I say to God, in Jesus' name, I trust you provide a stamp. And you know, he did. Amen. And I'm telling you, is is no different from a stamp or to whatever amount. Amen. It's in our mind. That's why the Bible says, don't limit God. And if you don't believe nothing is impossible with God, you go home, look in the mirror, and say, nothing is impossible with God. I got saved. Amen. Always, you can always refer, the kingdom of God is not complicated. If you just apply the way you receive your salvation, you can apply that in your healing, in your provision, in whatever it may be. That's the way it works. Amen. Have, Mark 11, 23, as the word like, have faith in God. Have faith in Him. Have faith in Him. Have faith in Him. But the one thing that I learned that can, is a killer also, is impatience. You know that I think that most people who are in financial difficulties today in our society is due to impatience. Because we want it now. Amen. So buy now, pay later, split it up in four or five payments. Uh, and we, we, and we just see that one thing, we want it now. We didn't see 16% interest rates. So once you paid for it, you, you paid for You got one pair of shoes, but you paid for four. <laughs> we don't see. Uh, and why did we do that? Because we were impatient. And once we finished paying off it, we don't even know where the shoes are. <laughs> okay. But if we had been a little bit more patient, you could have bought four shoes for the price that what you will usually pay eight for. I read about a woman, you see, she froze her debit, her credit cards in the freezer. So when she went into the shop, so I said, oh, I need to go and buy that. She had to go home, take her credit cards out of the freezer, 
wait for it to get out of the eyes. And you know, but now once she went through that whole process, that thing that was on her in the shop has disappeared. And we, uh, we all tried it though. Went, oh, oh yeah, I, I need this. I need this. I need this. And then we got it. Why do I need this? <laughs> and but it saved her so much money. But because we 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 grown up in a culture, our whole society is built on debt. You know that. You know the way the government is financed is not by your taxes. It's by the ability of how much money to what weight the government can borrow it. If they put all our taxes together, and it wouldn't cover anything. So it's all government is about borrowing. America is actually the country, one of the countries in the most debt in the world. Okay, but. So we are brought up in that culture, but we don't need to be like that. You know, if we need, but and, and that's why we need to have a whole new mindset that it is possible for you to be prosperous, debt-free in this society we're saying in here. Just like, doesn't matter what diagnosis you have heard or received or whatever, you are healed. Even if the doctor or the experts or whatever say, you are terminal, no. There is a God in heaven who hears prayer, who sent his son Jesus, who died on a cross, and by his stripes you were healed. You know, but there is no difference. But it's a mindset. Okay? And, and one thing where someone, old man said to me, he said, people are funny. They're nearly killing themselves at work. So that they can create that. To buy something to impress someone who don't care. <laughs> okay? Don't, don't worry about people around you. As you know what? The best thing you can have is peace. Do you know what I'm saying? But not to, and you know, that's what it, but it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people say about you and how you're doing things, whatever. That's not a, you can't change that anyway. But what you can, but what you can be assured, you have peace because I go God's way. I go God's way. I go God's way. Amen. Do not be deceived. For whatsoever a man soweth, he shall reap. That's why when you're reading in the Word of God, you know when you read about Zacchaeus, when he, you know, when he met Jesus. You know, Jesus probably had a good time with him. I mean, Zacchaeus, because he obviously got very excited, Zacchaeus, when he was with Jesus, and he jumped up and said, oh, if I cheated anyone, I will pay them back double. And then Jesus said, today salvation had come to him. Why did he say that? Because of suddenly he had been generous. No, he was already wealthy, but now he was generous. Amen. And now salvation had come. Now salvation have come to this household. Now salvation. You know, one of the women we hear about a lot in the Bible, what is that? The woman who, with the mind, two, two coins she threw in the offering. Why is she so blessed? Because she sold everything that she had. Amen. I remember once that uh, Kenneth Copeland, he was sharing about it. He decided he's always going to give. Somewhere. He had nothing to give. So he, she asked his wife, because he was like a mobile multi-tool shop in her handbag. So, can I say, can I borrow your scissor? So, I said, why? Because I, he put the button in the offering. 
because he would he, he understood about this so when you sadly because many times church offerings has been used to meet a budget but that's not what it is about it is about that that's where you can sow you know a seed so that you can change your future you know like as i said uh, if you have a seed in your hand you basically hold your future in your hand because today is a result of yesterday and tomorrow will be a result of the today and whatsoever man sowed he shall weep that's why i know that i will be very very old oliver will be very very old uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no because no, like, many years ago you oliver he, he gave me a watch he came in i said I know, no, but and and I, and I remember I said sorry at that time because I was in Denmark, and uh, and there was a man who came up to me in the offering and he gave me they gave me this Rolex watch and I said ah oh, I don't want it I said I went back to him ah I, I recognize that you had given it to me, but now I want to give it back to you, okay, and uh, and then I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me that. What I have sown into this man was time. You know, but we have we have the power to speak and create with our words what we say. Whatsoever we say, we shall have. Okay. So, so when I, so like when I spoke about when that situation, it was time. So I sowed time. Okay. So that's why I said to Oliver, I said the same to Oliver many years ago, back in 2004 or 5, that, uh, you know, you, your harvest will be time. You're going to be very old. And when we get old together, we can be very grumpy. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, uh, I want, you know, in England it's very traditional, they, they donate some kind of bench to a park or when there's a name. I want a bench that's called Grumpy Bench. <laughs> And you are allowed to just sit there and complain about anything in the world. <laughs> but you have to be over 75 before you can say that. <laughs> okay. But, but it's, you know, when you sow and give, don't just give it. Or sort of, you, know, you speak something over that seed and say, this is for this. This is for this. This is for this. You named your seed. Okay. Because, because, but the ultimate seed is really is your life you're sowing. Do you understand? When you get your salary every month, they don't pay you for your beautiful brown eyes and big smile. We are so happy to have you. Here is your salary. No, that's not why we pay you. Okay? Your salary represents the hours of your life that month. That is measured, it was converted into what is your salary. So that's where when you so when you when we sow or we give, that is uh, with money. That is actually ultimately your life. You sow. Do you, do you understand? And that's why that when you sowing it, you speak over it and say, like, I don't know, whatever you name it in your own life, whatever, whatever. It be. But we we have, as you say, this this is a seed for this. This is a seed for that. This is a seed for. This. And then go home and write it out. And then every morning or whatever you have a time, remind yourself, oh yeah, this is what I'm, this is my harvest. This is my harvest. You call in your harvest. 
And as you stay in faith, because and you do not get deceived by the devil and say, hi, ah, it doesn't work, this is just stupid, this is just American preachers who wants to collect money and whatever. So no, no, be not deceived. The devil would love Christians to be poor. Amen? He, you know, the devil is not interested in killing you. Because, you know, if, you, if, you, if, you, if he kills you, you go to heaven. You know, you far better testimony from the devil if he can use you here on earth showing it's good to be poor. Okay? The devil wants, you know, the devil thinks it's amazing we have a church that says it's holy to be poor. Because he knows no one, you know, Ecclesiastes says, no one listens to a poor man. You can see, you know, all you know, many times we like to talk about preachers of the past and so on. But one thing we, we never say, many of these preachers, they were millionaires. When past, when Smith Wigglesworth passed away, it was millions of pounds that had gone through his ministry into the mission work in Saia where his son-in-law was. He said to God that when he started, when he gave up his plumbing business, he said to God, if my if my the heel of my shoes ever got worn out. Oh, my suit is too worn out. I'm stopping preaching. And God provided all the time. Amen. Okay, you know, Wilberforce, who was a very wealthy man from Hull, uh, upper class basically, and you know, John Wesley, he was an Oxford graduate. At that time, that was only the top upper uh, the king there. You know, God, you know, Nehemiah was not poor. You can take them in the Bible. We can take them one by one. God wants you to prosper. Some of them might have started out poor, but as when we walked with God, we didn't stay poor. Joseph and Mary, yes, when Jesus was born, they were not well off. We can see that in the offerings record that they sacrificed two turtle doves at the, on the eighth day. But they didn't stay poor because suddenly, shortly after, there was a knock on the door. I mean, it was not three wise men. Because it was it was three men who traveled with that kind of wealth were not very wise. Okay, there, there was a group of wise men. Doesn't say how many, but they came with three different kinds of gifts, and that was the provision for Jesus. So that when one night Joseph was woken up by an angel and said, "You need to leave now. You need to go off to Egypt," the provision was already there. Joseph, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. What happened with Joseph? He became the prime minister of the wealthiest country in the world. He didn't just become wealthy himself, but he made another man the wealthiest man in the world. He, he brought provision to his, uh, to his people and so on. So, this is the God you and I, we belong to. And we need to, the world need, <coughs> because you know better than I, the, the social system, the, the healthcare, uh, anywhere that is public, education, it all falls apart in this country. And this is where we as the body of Christ, we should be light in a dark world. Can you imagine if we have so much abundance, we could just say to the whole neighborhood, free food every Sunday. I'm telling you, we will have the biggest church in breath within, within a week. <laughs> Less could he even do it, maybe. Maybe pizza, maybe. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, 
we need to come to that place. I think the Salvation Army, they started about it, we used to phrase soup and salvation. No, no, sorry. Soup, soap, and salvation. So that's how. First, you need to feed you. Then, they have to wash you. <laughs> and then you get saved. Maybe we say S, S, B, S. Soup, soap, brush, <laughs> and salvation. But the thing is, the key here is that, that, that we, we have to learn to be sowers, not just givers, sowers. And you need to learn a discipline yourself in to say, I need to call in that harvest. I need to call in that harvest. I need to call in that harvest. You know, but the farmers, when harvest time comes, I'm telling you, they don't sleep. They, 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 you know, if you travel in Denmark at harvest time, you know, middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, you see there's light everywhere. All the tractors, they, they are all out there because it's harvest time. And, and sometimes, oh, I can't be bothered calling it in. Ah, come on, it's easy. You can do that in your sleep. You can do that easily. Call in your harvest. If you, you know, we sowed, uh, if you sow a seed, we sowed a seed for being debt free. We sowed a seed for our mortgage to be paid off. We sowed a seed for, you, know, you name it, we sown seeds for it. I said to Yen the other day, I'm never going to buy another car on finance. Never. Okay? Next car, if I ever get another car apart from Uber, <laughs> then it will be a sports car. Okay? I, I, I was I was tried I was trying with Jaguar. I I could get into it. It didn't look very good when I came out of it. <laughs> so I said to him, "That's sports car I want. It is so flashy that no one will notice me coming in and out. Anyone will just see the car. Right? Anyway, but we but, but but make these decisions in your heart and say now sow seeds for it and say now this is seed." This is a seed for this, and this is a seed for this is a seed for my whatever it may be. But you have the power in your hand. The Bible said he taught his doctrine. The word, the seed in your hand, can transform your world. Amen. And the good news is, for many of you, you have already sown seeds. All you need to start doing, really, you need to keep sowing, but you also start need calling these things in. And you oh yeah, but that sounds stupid. That sounds stupid. You speak to your bill every day anyway. Oh, I have a bill. You speak to the interest rates. Oh, it's so high. It's so big. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. And I'm telling you, it will work. Many, many, many years ago, I remember we went out on a field praying for something and I was more tired. It was Yen who had the faith for it, not me. But I'm telling you, that early morning outside and Yen was declaring this better and the other and I'm telling you within seven years we got the harvest of it. And, and you know what, what it looks like, you know the wisdom of God looks like foolishness for men. But it doesn't matter because man is not the one who's going to bless you. I would rather please God and look foolish in the sight of man when look wise in the sight of man and look foolish in the eyes of God because man cannot bless you. Man's limitations to bless you. Know, but we have all have good friends over the years and we've been let down or vice versa and so on. Man cannot bless you. Man is not there to bless you. 
you are there to bless them. God is there to bless you. Amen. Amen. That's why that any, as I said to anyone with a relationship, don't go into a relationship to gain, because if you're going to gain, you lose. Okay? If you go into a relationship, you lose. If you go in because, oh, I don't want to be alone. Oh, I don't want, I want someone to love me. I want someone to tell me how wonderful I am. I, you know, whatever you name it, I'm telling you, you're losing. Because everything where you're gaining is what you are giving. Amen? It is so vital when, when, when you come, when any relationship you start, because when you do that, you're sowing. No, sowing is not just money, okay? Sowing is that you're living a life that you're laying down your life. Amen? Money is a part of it, but not all of it. It's about that you, like I said, you know, you make life better for someone else. Money is not everything, but it is included. Okay? I, I, know, I know a person who said, oh yeah, I don't know this thing about sowing. We don't know what it works or whatever else. And she, she was someone who always used to bake cakes for the people in her estate. No, not cake, bread. Bread, yeah. Baked bread. So I said to her, it's amazing. You got so much bread. How did that come? Oh, yeah, it's all the neighbors. They come keep giving it to me. I said, it works. Whatsoever you sow, you reap. Amen. And God will do that for his church. And I believe more than ever because of there is a cry outside in that world where, where like, I remember with someone, he said in this way, he said, when, when he was called to the program, Feed the Hungry, he said, there are many of my people that pray and give us today our daily bread, but the prayer is not answered because the church cannot answer it. That's why he started the Feed the Hungry program and the way he did it, I thought it was a brilliant way, way, way he so he, he asked everyone to fast one meal a day, no, one meal a week. Okay? And then so that, at that time, was, I don't know how much we eat. He was American, so he said $5 for one meal. Okay? But, it, it, but that's the way it worked. That's the way it worked. I'm telling you that when, when, you, when, when, when you have been the most desperate, when you, you know, when you are in a big challenge, don't think about the solution. Think about being a solution. When, when Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with liver cancer back in 1972, I think it was, and she was told by her doctors, you've got two weeks to live at maximum. What did she do? She started looking for someone she could pray for who needed healing. What did she do? She sold. And now, this 72, she's still alive today. Okay, and... Uh, she outlived her husband many years now. I think her husband is 20 years ago since he passed away. No, more than 20 years. And, uh, and, and, it's, and, and you know what? It, it, it is unique because they say it's do the doctrine of Jesus. That means it will work for you too. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement mm -hmm. to you is whatever seed you have sown over the years, remind yourself and take time and call that harvest in. Amen. Call that harvest in. Yeah, but it looks foolish here, but you're not there to impress anyone. You don't need to do it in front of people. Do you understand? You know, the confession of faith is not there to impress you or me. When I, my confessions of faith is not made in front of people. It's made between me and God. Amen. 
Uh, I grew up in a, in a congregation where I thought the confession of faith was to impress everyone else. You know what? I don't care what God has spoken to you about because he spoke to you. That's nothing to do with me. Don't come and tell me or use me as to uh, make yourself look so wonderful about what God told you. I don't care. That's between you and God as long as you do what God told you. If God wants to tell me, he'll tell me. Okay? But go home when you're in your own time. I just say, God, I, that time, that day, if you can remember, I sowed a seed for this, I sowed a seed for that, I sowed a seed for this, and I call these harvest in now in Jesus' name. And tell the devil in the name of Jesus, devil, I am not deceived, I shall weep. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The, the, I'm telling you, when you walk into, Jesus said, I come to give life more abundantly. Amen. But you shall go from glory to glory. That, you sh that lack shall not be your master. Lack shall not be your taskmaster. Okay? Your salary shall not be your taskmaster. Jesus is your Lord. Amen? You don't believe me. So, you know, you go home. I sow seeds for this family. I'm telling you, you have probably already sown seeds for everything that you need just to be provided for. And you start need to call it in. I'm telling you, there is a freedom in financial freedom. And that's where I believe God wants us. You have to understand, Nehemiah, what we're building upon the wall, the protection of the city, of the presence of God was stopped because the money God, Mammon, stopped them. You know, you know, Mammon is not an English word. <coughs> it's where we get the word money from and the word mom from. And and it's really that it, the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. It's because, you know, it's that we need to security for money. No, our security is in God. It's God who, it's the blessing of God that makes us rich. Amen. It's the blessing of God that makes us rich. It's the blessing of God. And as long as you have a seed, he can multiply it. He can multiply it. He can multiply it. So make a decision. I say, no, not one more day in lack. Amen. Not one more day in worry and concerns. The devil have deceived me enough, but now I will not be deceived. And what does it say in Galatians 6, 9? You heard me say that so many times. I better read it instead of quoting it. Galatians 6, 9. Um, yeah, be not deceived. No, sorry. What is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do not be dismayed. Ah. Here it is. And let us not be weary in well doing. Let us not be weary. Or let us not be dismayed. Start calling in. You know we. You know. You, in your time with God, that's where you call, you start speaking it because it's your words that brings it in. Okay? It's the words that brings it in. And let us not be weary in well-doing. What is in well-doing? Now, this is not, we're not talking about charity here. In well-doing is about doing what God has instructed. It's about use following God's system. The way you're calling in his, the harvest you do it with your mouth. 
well doing for in due season now in due season it's not like somewhere sometimes or whatever you need to read in due season it's harvest time you know this the context is harvest you know but when you sow something a farmer sows something you don't just say oh in due season you know what the due season means a specific time when you get a bill it says it's due on the 31st okay but we know that's the day the latest but it has to be paid. And it's in that context you have to read this in due season. Religion has turned into other oh, maybe, maybe, someday, whatever. No. But within it, I, I, I spoke with a farmer, he said about a hundred, a hundred days from you sowing the potato until the potato harvest. That's due season for potatoes. Okay? That's due season. So do, uh, so so if so you can say to the devil. Get the hands off my harvest in Jesus' name. Because the harvest is due. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's not about something that no one knows when it comes. No, you know my harvest is due. Amen. My harvest is due. So in Jesus' name, devil, I'm not deceived. Whatsoever man soweth, he shall weep. And I receive it now in Jesus' name. You know, you have to say, you know, like, uh, the, the devil, he, the only weapon he has is to make you think wrongly, to deceive you. So he makes us de deceive us that sowing and weaving doesn't work, you're not meant to be wealthy, you're not meant to be in abundance. And then he said, yeah, but not everyone needs to be wealthy. Why not? And uh, someone said to me, yeah, but why do you need two houses? You can only sleep in one. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I heard them all until I said to a person, if I had two houses, you could have lived for free. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, but it's, it's that mediocre lifestyle of thinking, okay? I could say the same. Why do you have two pair of trousers? You can only wear one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like it's. It, Come on, it's better you prospering than the devil's people are prospering. Because prosperity in your hands will do good. Okay? Prosperity in the devil's hands will do evil. You know, but most crimes are because of love of money. Human trafficking, drug dealing, you know, you name it, all the horrible things. It's all down to bad, bad uh, people who loves money. I think that the doctor, the serial killer, shipment there. I think that in some of his patients at the time, he actually, before whatever he did to them, managed to change their wills so that he could get some of it. It's all down to my. And so, so, is, so the prosperity is better in the hands of the church than it is in the hands of the devil. Amen. Like, that's what, like for me, when I try to, when I, when, I, when I spend money, I always try to spend money to keep it, what I say, within the system. No, like, I would rather pay, a, no, no, I shouldn't say too much, but if he's a good Christian worker, not if he's a bad worker, but I would, I, would, I would always look to keep the money in the system, instead of letting the money go out of, so if I know uh, a good guy who is, I would try to keep the money in the system. You know, when, when now the meetings in Denmark, I said to a pastor there, I would rather went to your church when I go out and went, uh, a public hall, mm. because at least now the money stays in the system. Mm. 
Do you understand? You know, if God intended for you and I to be in control. Because he knows when the money is in your hand, they will do good. Old Roberts, he was accused for many, you know, many, many years ago, Old Roberts, they were building this ORU in, and um, and then we were in lack of money or something like that. And then Old Roberts, he went to pray and fast and so on. And then there was this guy who, I think, I don't know what he did, but he came and gave Old Roberts this a lot of money to build it, the university. And people got so upset with him because this, we called, well, I can't remember what we call the money, but as I said, as I said that money, the money is neutral. But now the money is in the hands of all robots, and now it was going to do something good. Okay, money is you no know, money. Don't make it, money. Don't change us. Okay, if you don't have any money and you are an idiot, no one knows. Okay, if you become a millionaire and you are an idiot, we all know. Okay, I, mean, I see some of these uh, football players. You know, but it's just crazy uh, the way they dress. They completely. It's just about how much blink can you get on. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it looks good or not, as long as you can get it on. I, I'll see you. Okay. No, it, it, we we need we need to get see that scripture that the, the wealth of the wicked needs to be transferred into the righteous. Amen. And and God has done it so many times. He did it with, with, with he transferred the wealth of of the of the Germans to the Jews just in the 1920s. You know, during the Great Recession, you know, this is the time we should prosper. We all talk about uh, crisis of living, crisis of that, blah, blah, blah. No, no, this is, you know what happens in these times? Wealth transfers. Wealth transfers. You know, but the people who say everything is bad is the one who loses money. But that money is going to be transferred. And now we as the body, we as the righteous of God, needs to be ready. Amen. So are you ready to be with? Amen. Yes. No, no, you are not going to. You are. Yes. Amen. Money shall never be a concern anymore. Imagine all the money you save on hair coloring now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, so, but this, so because when we, when we, don't, that's why God said, I will look after your needs, so that you can focus upon being a blessing to this world. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, renew our mind. 